0: Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the Morning Show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard, as we kick off this Friday edition of the morning show, almost to the weekend. Hope you're doing well, wherever you are, and whatever time you are listening. Bob, how are you, my friend? Feeling good, end of the
1: week. It's, (laughs) we just talked, it's like 60 degrees out, man. What happened? Think about where we were on Monday.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's. I got a newer car that you know you could heat it from your app or whatever if you have to, and you can go in. And just you know three days ago, you're having to heat it up to get the ice off. And then today I just checked, and I have it. I was like, okay, I'll make sure it's defrosted. And the app was like, are you sure? It's going to actually heat up your car. And I was like, oh, man. I, then I looked at the weather, and it was like 50 degrees. It's like, well, never mind. <laughs> never mind. We, we have come a, a long way just in like three short days.
1: It's great. It's going to be gross tomorrow. It sounds like a lot of rain, but again, I'll take it after all this cold weather and snow. A lot of rain tomorrow? Yes. Today's not too bad.
0: But no, it's, it's, it's good It's good for at least knocking off all the snow off your car and oh, yeah, all the somewhat gross. washing your car if you haven't had a chance to get in the car wash, so at least you got to that going.
1: Yeah, my wife sent me a note. I guess um, there's a new car wash opening in town that uh, is doing free car washes today, and I oh. was like, well, that's awesome, but... You know, other than knocking it off, it's going to be messed up again tomorrow. That's a uh, pretty smart business move. Yeah, to just hand out free car washes. Particularly off the heels of this storm, I'm sure it'll be packed.
2: Sam, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm excited that this that this weather is gone. It's uh, the the culmination of Tennessee weather, right there. You know, you get like 10 degrees at the start of the week, and then you got 60 by the end of it. You got 8 inches of snow on the ground and ice and you can't move and then you're waking up with fog and you're just you can't see in the morning on your drive in cuz you got the fog
0: rolling in. The only thing missing is me sneezing and coughing from allergies. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's the only thing they haven't given us this week. So hopefully that doesn't
2: soon enough it doesn't happen.
0: Well, we got a good show today for you. We'll talk to uh Stats by Will at 8:30. Bob, you have tracked us down a gambling shark to uh, help us make some money this weekend is that correct
1: yeah that's true uh gentleman by the name of eli Hershkovich. some of you who uh, do recreational wagering may be familiar with him uh he's been doing it for a while he focuses on um, college basketball but also does some football too nfl football and obviously we have an incredibly big week weekend in the nfl so He'll be on in the last hour to talk to us about that, help us maybe set up some uh, – give us some intel as we, uh, we go into the weekend.
0: Looking forward to that. NFL kind of got back in the news yesterday as the coaching carousel starts slowing down. It's been a little bit of a pause, I think, as a couple of these coordinators that are still left in the playoffs have uh, – you know, they're a little bit focused and not being able to, of course, accept jobs or, or make any jumps. So that's kind of put the pause, at least on like teams like Washington, who seems all but locked in on Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. We got big names like Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick. We're kind of waiting to see where they're going. It was thought maybe Atlanta would make a splash, but they kind of surprised everyone by bringing Raheem Morris home. Raheem Morris had been there for a while, was an interim coach. Had got a chance uh, to do that before they hired Arthur Smith. He went on to Los Angeles, coached a pretty good defense, and now the Atlanta Falcons have tabbed him as their new head coach, which to me kind of came out of nowhere when I saw that update. I was like, wait a second, what? I didn't even realize he was a, you know, a candidate there. I-, I knew that he was a hot name, but it looked like he was not going to Land a job, and then Atlanta brings him home again. He had been there from 2015 to 2019 as an assistant head coach, a passing game coordinator, did some wide receiver coaching as well, and then ran their defense in 2020 as well as was an interim head coach. So familiar with both sides of the ball in Atlanta and familiar with ownership in the front office there. And now he's the head coach. It's going to be very interesting
1: to see what happens with the big names, there's there's three of them, really. You know, obviously Belichick, Vrabel. If you count Pete Carroll in there, I don't know how actively he's looking, but uh, there's only two jobs. And like you said, Washington appears to, by all indicators, they have their man. Leaves just Seattle. Um, and that tells us one of these bigger names is not going to have a job probably this year.
0: Yeah, like Pete Carroll to me doesn't really count – Because I kind of thought Pete Carroll was done. The only thing I've seen him say, or at least from his camp, was was Snoop Dogg actually coming out and saying he wanted to coach. Snoop Dogg came out and said, actually, he wants the Chargers game, uh, the Chargers gig. And you're kind of like, oh, okay. But like outside of that, I assumed he was just going to the front office I don't view him in the same breath as Bill Belichick, obviously. I don't think anybody really does. And then Vrabel, you know, gets the gets the attention because he's younger and of course was a Titans coach and, and everyone in the national football media told you like, Oh, the Titans are making such a mistake firing him. He'll have a job immediately. And and so far that hasn't been the case. Sam, has that surprised you with Mike Vrabel?
2: A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um you know, I I do think that a guy like Vrabel, kind of his personality and maybe that ego, kind of that he brings to a locker room. I think it does take a specific fit, though, and I don't know if maybe some of those teams that were looking for a head coach were maybe in the position to kind of take on that personality. Maybe I think it's kind of a going to be a niche fit in terms of like which team goes after him. I think he's going to take a year off and try and find a place that fits him well.
0: Well, I saw the headline yesterday that was like. Mike Vrabel is going to hire Arthur Smith to be his offensive coordinator if he gets the job. So I was like, "Well, that's why he didn't get the Atlanta job." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. sure. Atlanta said, "No thanks." With that, Carolina maybe did the same. Although, like, Carolina didn't make sense for Vrabel as far as I was concerned, unless he went there and they gave him like absolute control of the of the organization. But that didn't seem like something that they would do. They went out and hired canales who was a guy that i quite frankly hadn't really heard of prior to yesterday dave canales was the Tampa bay offensive coordinator now he gets a six-year deal to go to carolina so at least he's going to have a little bit of job security or at least a good parachute whenever he gets fired in a couple years
1: i wonder if i don't know if you guys remember from the butch jones era but they played tennessee played north texas their coach was mike canales yeah, wonder if that's his father. Yeah, I was I was Butch- wondering
0: the same thing because I, I believe he is Hispanic as well. So like I I, I didn't know there was a connection because Dave uh, it was Chico Canales Chico is what Canales. they called him uh, yeah.
1: often and yeah Butch was buddies with yeah. Canales and you just touched on something that I think is well, maybe not unspoken but it's it, it is important and that is. The NFL in the past, you know, the Rooney Rule's a great example, but there's, you know, this whole notion that all the NFL does is hire, you know, wh- old white guys. And, you know, what you've seen here in the last few days, Antonio Pierce uh, gets formalized as a coach of the Raiders, Gerard Mayo with the Patriots, Raheem Morris yesterday with Atlanta, and then Canales, who's Hispanic. Um, from that perspective, I would assume that's uh, from, an, from an NFL diversity and inclusion perspective that's uh that's a big deal that's you know it's showing their commitment to that too i mean the teams are
0: doing that but i'm sure there's an underlying message with the league about that too still no condoleezza rice though getting her chance as a head coach <laughs> uh dave canales's dad is isaac canales a pastor so no it's not chico not, not Chico's not chico it's isaac a pastor so no. No, there, there are stories already being written about the uh the influence uh and this faith and all that. So yeah, that's uh, that's a big part of him. So no. Not not old Chico, but I did think the same thing when I saw it yesterday. I did think the same thing, but we got our answer. It, not the case. So we talked about Vrabel a little bit. Sam, I do think you're right. He probably resets. I could see maybe doing some T V, although I don't know with his personality if it 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 could it could shift. It could be great on TV. You could kind of see the 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 charisma because he does have some. Yeah, he showed some in Tennessee. You just got to squeeze it
2: out of him a little bit,
0: right? So it, it could be good, or also it could be a train wreck on TV. But like, hey, they put Jason Garrett on there, and that guy didn't have any charisma in Dallas. So you know, maybe Mike Vrabel does something with that. Maybe he takes a year off. I, I couldn't really see him going and being someone's defensive coordinator. I think once you have his ego and like you know his six-year tenure at the Titans, doesn't really feel like you go and be someone's coordinator. Plus, quite frankly, he wasn't a good coordinator. I was going to say he wasn't the most <laughs> – In Houston. With his
2: numbers, he wasn't the best yeah, coordinator Yeah, he wasn't a good there. coordinator
0: in Houston. And in Tennessee, the defense wasn't good enough to really justify – He's that him- CEO
2: type. You know, right. he needs, like, to command a team.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So, like, I would be surprised if he just didn't take a year off football because, like you said, Bob, Seattle and then Washington, is that it? Are those yeah, the, only it. And- the only two openings? The only two. So, Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator from Houston, is he just not going to get a job this go-around? It seems like they want him to get another year, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dan Quinn to Seattle has always kind of made sense to me, just bringing him back home. Like, is Seattle just going to try to make a push to get maybe McDonald from Baltimore, defense coordinator, or throw something at Ben Johnson? I don't know if there's another coordinator on any of the other two teams that, that is drawing interest, but... Yeah, so so Belichick. He doesn't have the, the luxury that Mike Vrabel does in terms of taking a year off and waiting, and you know not really wasting time because Bill Belichick, you know, is a similar age if not the same age as Nick Saban is, right? And you saw you know one of his peers, just decide to leave football. I don't
1: know if this will happen if Belichick doesn't get an NFL job, um, but I've seen him do. You talked about TV with Vrabel. I've seen Belichick do TV. He's like a different guy. Mm-hmm. He's actually he's pretty pretty capable. And you would think that networks will you know pick up the phone and call him, at least if he's not
0: getting an NFL job. Belichick is great at TV. Like yeah. Whenever there was uh whenever they're doing the NFL hundred or whatever, maybe it was oh, yeah. all time yeah. players. Whenever he's breaking down Ed Reed, he's like gushing over Ed Reed and like, you know, laughing and talking and talking about you know, really breaking the game down and him and Ed Reed are walking through how he baited Peyton Manning into an interception, and yeah. you know Reed Reed was great, and, and Belichick was charming and and thoughtful. And at his age, I don't know if he would want to get into that, or if he would just want to, you know, kind of take his money and 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 relax. It doesn't seem like he would want to do that, but to me, like his quest is to become the all time winningest head coach. He's, I think, 15 wins shy of becoming the all-time winningest coach. So, I think that's, like, the only thing kind of driving him at this point, as well as maybe the ghost of Tom Brady, maybe a little bit. So, the TV thing for me with him would seem a little surprising. Although, it was kind of funny. Once Atlanta hired him, I saw a tweet that's like, you better learn how to do the gambling disclaimer
2: at the end of your podcast, Bill. (laughs) The Saban and Belichick podcast. Yeah,
0: you're not you're not going to be coaching anywhere, buddy. They, the league has retired you. Better learn how to podcast. <laughs> you're
1: you're you you just got me thinking because well, I saw some of that NFL hundred stuff too, and he was fantastic. That's like that's like storytelling, you know what I mean? And he seemed to really embrace that and flourish with that. And it brings up a good point. If he's going to be doing anything, you know, if if he got recorded to do some of these pregame shows or something else. There are time constraints there, you know, shorter segments, everything else. I just don't know. Now that I think about it, as good as he is, I don't know if he wants to try to fit into
0: that box because that's what it is. Yeah, I would just be shocked to see him do that. I I don't know. Like, it just – he seems above it. And then, like you said, whenever you try to put him – and, and constrain him and, you know, fit him in a, if you're talking about a studio show, like, you know, I compare him to Jason Garrett, or I guess I compare Mike Vrabel to Jason Garrett, but same concept of, like, here are seven guys, and everyone's getting their two minutes or 90-second answers, or even sometimes, like, a 15- to 30-second answer. Like, I, I can't see Bill Belichick wanting to sit there and no. and do the fake laughs and he, he, and and, and kind of yuck it up like Tony Dungy has had to do, you know, Jason Garrett and, you know, the other coaches. Belichick doesn't seem to, to be that guy to me. No. I, I think that's that's true. A little surprising though, as maybe the league has just kinda decided they don't want to do the Patriot way. Mike Vrabel Bill Belichick, you know, credited to be kinda cut from the same cloth. And, you know, seven openings and so far neither none of them have been like, you know what, sign us up for that.
1: You know, ping back to um, Harbaugh for a second because we uh, Everywhere around media, they celebrated him yesterday. But what I learned by that, just watching and listening to some of the various shows, and I guess I knew his players played hard for him and they love him, but the, boy, the the undertone of how much he is viewed as a player's coach, how much the players love him, I I, I didn't realize that. Um, I mean, again, I didn't. I don't think there. I, I never thought there was any problems in the locker room or anything. I just I look at him as <laughs> really gifted coach, kind of a weirdo, and so I figured maybe that would correlate with what the team thinks. But and maybe they do. But they they've grown to love him, is what everybody says. And they, you know, impacting culture. That's what's been a big deal with these NFL coaches that are getting hired. That they you keep hearing that as one of the key, if not the key, criteria piece um, is. How can you set the right culture in your locker room? And Boy, the way it sounded yesterday, there is not a doubt in anyone's mind that Harbaugh is going to make that happen with the Chargers.
0: We are off and running on the Friday edition of The Morning Show. Sam sent us a break. We'll come back. It is it is The Morning Show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. Traffic's in pretty good shape right now as far as serious accidents causing major delays out here. It's moving around in certain... talked about some of the, you know, the coaching news of yesterday, but there was some, some actual sports. There were some sports on last night and, you know, uh, my friends, we we went out and we played some trivia and they actually went and tracked down the, the people running the TVs to get on the women's basketball game, which I thought was maybe kind of a, I don't want to say a joke at first, but I was just like, wait, what? Like, this guys like, where's the game at? I was like, what game are you talking about? And they went right in front, and then I was watching. I was like, you know what? It was a pretty fun game last night with with LSU and South Carolina as as South Carolina made a big comeback in the second half to kind of just chase down LSU and beat them.
1: I got to admit, I watched a decent amount of that game. I uh, It was good. It was really good. They played at a high level. Um, Kim Mulkey was doing her Kim Mulkey thing with her – funky outfits and it was uh you can always count on that but no it was a great game it was a great game south carolina just seems you know it reflects their coach um you know you got mulkey in this like vegas looking siegfried and roy vibe outfit and then you got don staley in a hoodie you know basically and I, I just think the team reflects her
0: her whole vibe they, they're just gritty Sam, did you find yourself watching the game as well?
2: I did, yeah. Wow. I watched the second half. At Look least. at us,
0: <laughs> support women's basketball. That's I, was, right. I
2: was watching rough and rowdy and uh, <laughs> and the women's basketball game. Yeah, it was. I thought it was pretty solid too, though. I mean, yeah, LSU kind of was controlling the pace a little bit in the first half and went up at half, and South Carolina had a a big SEC road winning streak and and you know clawed back late in the second half and and got the win. I was That's- entertained.
1: I did talk. I, I exchanged texts with uh, Jake Miller, A.K.A. GI Jake, um, who's a big uniform nut, and I'm kind of that way too. And This is so minor, but it was it did catch my eye. I've never seen a men's or women's basketball jersey that had like it had South Carolina stacked as the name on the jersey on the front of the jersey, not South Number Carolina tennessee number of volunteers or it, it was i
2: don't know if i noticed that
1: you now some people don't you know people would look at me and say you know it's kind of a nerdy observation <laughs> yeah, but. i was gonna
0: say the non-nerds don't notice that <laughs> <laughs> but
1: jake jake knew nerd and, and jake <laughs> jake uh he agreed he said it looked like trash wow. so he went, he went a little further than i did i was just
0: well, I'm glad you got you an outlet to uh, voice those things with, with Jake. Just oh, we, keep, yeah, keep we, it in your private text message. We talk uniforms all the time, man. It's awesome. I, I'm glad you have somebody to do that, that way you don't send it to, to the morning show group text. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's, that's, that's a little too sophisticated for you guys. You don't care about That's that. true. When I think of sophistication, I think of G.I. Jake. So there, there you go. <laughs> I'm glad you have a fighter things club that you can, uh, that you can turn to here at, at Fan Run Radio. What else do we have? We had Arizona, a top ten team, going down to Oregon State. They were big favorites of that game, and kind of, and I kind of just uh, Oregon State beat them. Oregon State beat them, and uh, I didn't watch any of that game, but it was a news and noteworthy thing. The story, though, that I found uh, to be most interesting from yesterday was the Kayshawn Booty stuff. Yeah, did you, did you guys keep up with oh, that yeah. at all?
1: Uh, yeah, break it down. I mean, I'm uh, headline-wise, I'm very familiar with it, but.
0: Kayshawn Booty, a former LSU wide receiver who was really disappointing last year. Now we know why he was so disappointing last year because he was stressed from all of his gambling. Uh, They they talk about gambling addictions, they talk about the wear and tear it has on your life, and and you saw it firsthand from Kayshawn Booty because he came in as thought of as like the best receiver in the country, or at least like one of. And then he left the year as like a seventh round flyer pick by the. New England Patriots. That's how bad he was. And it started in game one of last year, which coincidentally was a game that he bet on himself (laughs) to ball out in. And he came out and was awful. I remember vividly that game, how bad he was at that game, dropping passes. So when I saw that he was gambling, I was like, oh, man, uh, hopefully we don't have our first instance where a player is just, like, betting against the team and betting against himself. But And then uh, to add criminality to it, he was doing it underage and was using fake names but making his username Kayshawn Booty, Kayshawn Booty 7. So he wasn't hiding it very well either. But, yeah, they had him making, what, Sam, like 9,000 bets or something crazy like that? Over
2: 8,900? Yeah. That's a crazy amount. Yeah. Crazy amount. For a SEC football player <laughs> in a 13-month span. Now, have we seen dollar amounts of that? I saw eighty nine hundred. I saw that he like deposited fifty k or something like that. Or my, maybe man 10K. His,
0: my man took his nil money and went straight to <laughs> FanDuel.
2: And then I saw that like over half a million had been like cycled through his account. Not that he sure. had won that, but he had like cycled through that in terms of well, his well, you deposit, 8, you went a little bets. bit, you end up
0: losing it, things right, like that. Right. I mean, it, it adds up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That, you know, he was out there making eight-leg parlays, which, on one hand, when I saw the news, like I said, I thought, oh, man, we're about to have our first uh, tanking story where he is fixing the games in a bad way. But then I was thinking, like, okay, when you go to Louisiana, when Tennessee went to Louisiana last year, you you get to bet on player props mm-hmm. in college football. Tennessee actually doesn't allow you to do that. And I was kind of thinking, like, huh, it's always been a little annoying and a little frustrating, but maybe this is why. Because the college kids may be more willing to risk it all and gamble on their teammates or on themselves, whereas the pros may be a little bit more cautious. Because, yeah, you had on Booty for the first time that I've seen at least a player being linked to betting on himself and on his on-team. That's pretty amazing. Now, I'm listening to you guys reading the story in detail. Well, the game that he bet himself over, he bet himself to score a touchdown and to have, I think, over 84 yards, he came out and had two for 20. He was awful. He had two catches for 20 yards that game. And I wonder how stressed he was on the sideline. Was he like, hey, Jayden, throw me the ball? And Jayden's like, I am. You keep dropping it. Like, come on, man! Just give me one, one long one. Throw me a bomb here. That's interesting, though.
1: Betting on himself, but not betting like in any sort of tank fashion. You know, actually putting in some high numbers. He's like,
2: "Hey, give me the ball." Yeah, yeah. It could have been the the Arizona State basketball point shaving right, right. Uh, scandal there.
0: Now it said the one you know bet that I saw that was the only one I saw that kind of highlighted, and it says it was like an eight game parlay or eight leg eight <laughs> leg parlay. So okay, I guess he was betting on some of his teammates and and maybe LSU to win. I haven't seen the actual details from that. Have there been any, Sam?
2: I haven't A- seen that either. Yeah, yeah. I-, I just
0: saw them highlight that he had bet on himself to have catches and that he failed to get it. <laughs> but 8,900 wagers yeah. with at least 17 of those 8,900 being on NCAA football games and at least six that involved LSU.
2: I've got the numbers here now. It says, uh, according to the warrant, Butte deposited a total of just over $132,000, won a total of just over $556,000, uh, but used most of that money to make additional bets. He withdrew just over 50k from the account.
0: Okay, so he lost 80 grand. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he put the nil money to use. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's a uh, that's that's some uh, that's some impressive stuff.
0: Yeah, I wonder what that's going to do for his career. You know, I don't know if it derails it in New England. It didn't feel like he was a factor at all this year. Like, I don't even know how many games he was active with the Patriots. Like, I don't know what his stats were. It it seemed like he was a complete non-factor. But, yeah, man, like, he went from a top first-round pick type of guy to now just kind of a punchline. That's pretty tough. In the NFL, you know, they have the – whenever you had the players gambling – and getting in trouble, except for Calvin Ridley and the one Arizona defensive back, I hang you know a couple of years ago. We didn't really have them betting on NFL games, right? I know one of the Colts guys had bet on uh, an over for Jonathan Taylor, so I guess there's been a couple. But yeah. a lot of the issues are just like, hey, you're gambling on team facilities, it's not so much gambling on the sport. And they're allowed now to to bet on other sports and everything. And in the NCAA, that's not the case. The NCAA prohibits players from wagering on any sport, and then you know you have found to uh, when you wager on your team in school, it's even worse, which is what he did. But I mean, he's gone now, so like I don't know what the NCAA can even do with this. But yeah,
2: I enjoyed the uh, the story coming out. I mean, just the breakdown of the numbers is crazy to me.
0: That's that's what I
1: was saying earlier. Impressive. It's like how this a uh, this a uh, collegiate athlete, an elite one that's probably spending a lot of time playing and everything else. It's like almost like where do you find the time? to
2: do all that. Um. 685 bets a month, 23 a day. <laughs> right, I mean, so he's, placing, put, uh, he's placing a bet an hour.
0: 23 a day. Well, I, I assume he's not doing one an hour as much as he is just putting like maybe. You know, FanDuel pops up. I don't know if anybody listening has, has been on the app long enough for them to pop up. Reality check. Yes. <laughs> you have wagered X amount of dollars over the last X amount of time. <laughs> okay, so I'm Booty, reality check. You have wagered. <laughs> Seven hundred and thirty-five dollars over the last thirteen minutes on,
1: <laughs> on, on, on twenty different bets. Fanduel may have sent somebody to his apartment in person to knock on the door and say, "Dude, what is happening here?" You know, it, it, or to thank him. I yeah. mean, they might have. <laughs> yeah, or to thank him.
0: Well, they might have. They might have. They might have drawn some attention. Like I don't know. I haven't seen the news, but those sites do have VIP, like <laughs> you know, concierges that reach out right. to you and have reps. Like, hello, Mister, or whatever your fake name is. Uh, Who are your favorite teams? Are there is there anything we could get you like do you like concerts to take you know it, take us to concerts take us to games what do you like He's like well I love the LSU Tigers I love the LSU Tigers my favorite player is Jaden Daniels and and, and Booty I just he was so disappointing and you know it it, it makes it worse it makes it worse the 23 <laughs> bets a day is pretty impressive I was, especially when especially you tell me the dollar figure. Yeah, the Sway three bets a day could just be a whole bunch of random like ten team parlays and player things like lottery tickets. But he was actually putting some money down. He wasn't doing it that way. He he was he was risking hundreds and hundreds of dollars per bet, probably
2: maybe thousands.
0: I'm sure there were a couple. <laughs> I would yeah. be interested in knowing like uh, if you bet
2: $130,000, or excuse me, you deposited $130,000. Do these like what was the court cases or whatever? Do you think they Find a way to like go through what he was betting on. Well, like, we had I would some be very de- interested to see. We had
0: some details, on. but like I think the dollar amounts aren't going to matter because I think it's just going to be the crime and the the violation of the rules is that what's going to get him. Like one dollar to them is breaking the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, doing so underage and and if you're the NCAA, one bet on LSU in college football violates that. It wouldn't even be the dollar amount that matters. So I don't know if we'll ever get those.
2: Wonder what sports he's betting on too. Like if you're betting that many, that many things, like it's not just going to be your run-of-the-mill oh, no. power sports. <laughs> you you want to know what the most random thing Casey yeah, Booty was betting on? Was I he
0: do. was he sweating Chinese basketball yeah. and he found himself <laughs> in the table tennis section? Yes. D- darts. Yeah. Um, how bad did he have it? <laughs> those, it sounds like he had it pretty bad. Yeah. Those. Uh, he needs the, to call it Tennessee red line or I guess Louisiana red line whatever yep, they have down there. Those professional
1: cornhole tournaments that we see on ESPN. Um, I I the
0: numbers just blow my mind. Tennessee of course went to LSU last year and beat them down. That was one of Josh Heupel's biggest wins. Where would you rank it? You know, it's probably number 3. Is it is it in the top 3? Like you could say Orange Bowl, you could say Alabama of course number 1. Maybe you give Florida the edge last year, but I mean LSU was in that conversation, you know, for that top 5.
1: Yeah. See, I man, I think LSU might be number two just because it was down there. Of course, it was a day game, but nobody expected that to just be a blowout. I mean, that was that was an absolute beatdown. I mean, I remember Brian Kelly saying at halftime, "I'm getting out coached." I mean, he was just like,
0: you know, well, at I, was, loss. I just remember how desperate he was in that game. I mean, yeah. just the fourth downs. and I mean, like he was not wrong, but I mean, like he was just got to go for every fourth down because we can't stop these guys. But that was Tennessee's kind of. We're legit moments. So if you tell me that that was the second biggest win, I necessarily wouldn't argue with you because I, I always talk about the ball games being a little overrated. The LSU one was fun there. You overtook the stadium. And, and again, it kind of propelled you to do some special things against Alabama coming up. If you lose that LSU game, you probably don't beat Alabama. But that was Josh Heupel, one of his best wins. Josh Heupel is now through his third season – CBS Sports went, and you said ranked or graded? They graded. Graded, okay. So we're not talking about who the best of the coaches finishing their third year at their school are, but we're grading them. We'll see what CBS Sports gives Josh Heupel and some of his peers. Coming up after the break, it's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning in Campbell County. We've already got some problems where they've been out there all week trying to repair some potholes. Several cars have already suffered some damage this morning on 75 around that Carrival exit. Don't be surprised. It is Friday. That makes it the perfect day to enjoy some White Claw hard seltzer. Pick you up some to kick off your weekend today. And drink responsibly. White claw, hard seltzer. All right, so CBS Sports graded Josh Heipel and his performance after three years. Before we get to his grades, who are some of the other names that are peers of his? Yes,
1: we'll uh we'll talk about power five coaches, and then there's a couple interesting group of five coaches. One that has a former tie to Tennessee, and then a couple that We'll have some SEC ties here shortly. Um, but starting with the Power Five, a name that's been in the headlines lately, Jed Fish. Uh, now the head coach at Washington, but spent three years at Arizona. His record was 16-21. and 21. Obviously had a great third season there, which is what laid the groundwork for him to get the Washington gig. They graded him out at a B.
0: Z- Jed Fish? I mean, to me, I mean, I, I guess a B, but... He far exceeded my expectations for what he did. Yeah, I think they're
1: probably dinging him for whatever happened in his. You know, he had a 10 win season this year, but which obviously means he only had 16 wins in three seasons, so the pre- preceding two weren't too good. But yo, know, he did an amazing job this year.
0: This would be closer to an A had Fish stayed in Arizona. They write so they're 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 docking him for taking a better job. Yeah, they do a little of that in here. And okay. We'll, yeah, you know, we'll
1: see that later in the in the the body of work. Uh, Brett Bielema at Illinois, which I felt I felt two seasons ago, that was like a marriage made in heaven. But it's not been that good. His three year record, there's eighteen and nineteen, just
0: one bowl appearance. I'll, I'll be honest. The only thing that I can remember Brett Bielema doing so far at Illinois is closely losing to Michigan last year. Right. I guess the only, only thing I remember from him 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 doing, Uh, I understand it's Illinois, they're not you know very relevant, but I forget Brett Billmon is even there. at times.
1: Yeah, well they graded him at a B minus. So moving on, the next guy got an A minus, and that's Lance Leipold uh, or Leipold at Kansas. We talked about him yesterday as a potential name in the Michigan hunt, although it seems like kind of a foregone conclusion. Sharon Moore is probably going to get that job, but Leipold's done a great job at Kansas 17 and 21 record, but his first season was two and 10. So if you take it out from there, 15 and 11 over the last two
0: seasons, maybe, maybe I'm not cut out to be a teacher because I don't understand how he's just not an A or an, even an A plus for what he's done at Kansas. Like jet fish, B plus, Bilima getting a B minus seems too high. Maybe give him a C. But, like, how, how are we not giving Lance an A for what he's done at Kansas? They they beat Oklahoma in a big game. Like, it wasn't a game they snuck up and, and clipped Oklahoma. Like, it was one that you kind of circled, and he took his backup quarterback and beat Oklahoma last year.
1: Yeah. Well, they're giving him an A minus, but I agree. I think it was even better. A plus. Yeah. He did a good job. That's, uh, that's been a barren wasteland from a coaching standpoint for a while as far as kansas football so i agree
0: with that they had been in zero bowl games from 2009 to 2020 they've made it twice in three years they hadn't been ranked inside the ap top 25 since 2007 and he got them there this year i don't know i if i'm him i'm like what the hell else could i do a minus what are you digging me for (laughs) Not keeping my quarterback healthy because, by the way, a lot of our success last year was with a backup quarterback. Anyways. Well, this next one, I would say
1: I am kind of stunned that they even graded him this high. This is our friend, precious Shane Beamer.
0: Okay, Shane Beamer. 20-18 and 18 over three seasons. Is that uh, higher or lower than you would have thought, Sam? 20-18 and 18 over three seasons for Beamer.
2: Mm, about I think right. That's about right. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it is right. So I guess I, I guess you're correct. He but. feels
2: really average over yeah. his career. Okay.
1: He's had wins over Tennessee. Hate to say it. Texas A&M, Auburn, Clemson, and Kentucky two times. Um, they gave him a B grade. I guess that might be okay. I I just have such dislike for him. Maybe that's why I'm wanting to see a lower score.
0: I don't understand how he would have a B. Uh, Quite frankly, I mean, I I don't – I guess if you're giving extra credit for beating Tennessee for spoiling their season and following that up with Clemson. But, like, if you simply – they can keep the wins because he won them. They're big wins. But, like, I feel like if you simply broke them up and just said, like, they they weren't the same, like, you know, seven-day span, I think that would drastically alter our perception of Shane Beamer because – like, it, we give him credit for back-to-back top 10 wins, and, oh, my God, they're going to turn the corner and this, this, and this. But, like, if he just tell me he beat one one year and won the other or, or, you know, got one at the beginning of the year and one at the end of the year and still had the same records, I think we'd look at it differently. To me, he's been perfectly average. I'd give him a C. Yeah, I, I
1: – I, just everything about him, you know, the the crying at the drop of a hat, the just uh, – it's hard for me to – he has had some – Pretty significant wins, but still, I it's just hard for me to
0: picture him as a a grade of a B. He's had two significant wins. I mean, I don't Texas A&M, whatever. Like, I don't know what this what the scenario was there. I assume it was at South Carolina. I assume it was, but like, I, I don't care about that win. He beat Tennessee. He beat Clemson. That, that's all he's hanging his hat on. He
1: he ruined their postseason aspirations, right? Yeah, yeah. Both he, of them.
0: he accomplished that, and you know those. <laughs> Tennessee might be South Carolina's second biggest rival. I mean, I know for a while Georgia was. I don't know where they rank them. Clemson, obviously, number one. But, like, he delivered on two big games for them. But even then, like this year, if you go through, and, and I like doing this, any national or, like, you know, SEC regional story, I like going through the replies and just reading what South Carolina fans or fans of the teams are saying, whoever the story's about. And a lot of South Carolina fans don't like Beamer anymore. Like you go through something after a loss or a story or a, one of his press conferences, you'll, you'll have plenty of people saying, you know, this isn't going well or, or like this guy's kind of losing it. And to me, you can't get a B grade if, you're, if, that, if I'm saying that about you. Yeah. Keeping it in the SEC,
1: uh, Vanderbilt, Clark Lee, three seasons. And he did have a moment where it looked like things were turning around. I think it was not this past season, season before that. 9-27 and 27 over three seasons. What was
0: that moment? I don't remember that moment. Well, they beat
1: Florida. They beat Kentucky.
0: Okay. Um, okay. I, I guess Almost back-to-back. I, back. I guess I wasn't paying attention to that, but I had no clue they'd beaten Florida and Kentucky. Yeah, it was. That's sad for Florida and Kentucky.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, and Clark Lee did a little of his uh, Shane Beamer there. I remember him getting misty uh, in the interviews after the game. It was kind of a big moment. But he grades out the a C-minus. I don't know how you could argue that. That might be kind. That that team this year was so so much of a non-factor, even more so than it usually is. It felt like, even though they did come into Tennessee
0: into Knoxville and kind of
1: you know throw some punches at the beginning.
0: Literally, <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. That that was the game. I remember, there was just a whole bunch of personal fouls and people losing right. their mind. I I don't know how to grade him just because he's at Vanderbilt. You know, I, I know we're talking about just Power Five coaches, but. To me, he's not even a Power 5 coach. Yeah, I mean, I know by definition, of course, he is. But, like, I don't know what you're supposed to do there that you could do any better than what he's done. Former SEC guy,
1: Gus Malzahn at Central Florida. Wrapped up his third season. 24-16 and record over three seasons. Um, They're in the Big 12 now. Really impressive win this season over Oklahoma State when Oklahoma State was supposedly dialed in. Um, and uh, they take care of their business in non-conference. They're nine and two in the regular season in non-conference play since Malzahn arrived. They give him a grade of a B. I actually would maybe grade that a little higher myself. You grade it
0: higher? I was gonna say I grade it lower because I feel like UCF it's kind of irrelevant now. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong on that, but like you know, their star is definitely. Fallen, of course, from the Scott Frost time. Uh, That's to be expected when you're no longer going undefeated. But like, even from the Josh Heupel time, and maybe Josh Heupel's a little bit of the reason why they have you know their their stars kind of faded. But like, I don't ever think of UCF anymore, and I feel like Gus has been a little bit of a disappointment there because I thought he was you know giving him those resources at Central Florida to recruit. Like I, I thought he was going to be much better than he has been.
1: Yeah, if you span this out over three seasons, kind of an eight and five average record, I would agree with that. Maybe and only with...
0: one year in, only one year in the Big Twelve, right? That's correct. Just so I mean, like, year. it's not like he had to go to the Big Twelve and play better competition. Like his first two years inside the American was nine and four and nine and five. Like to me, those are kind of disappointing. Yeah. And then six and seven this year, I'll give him a little bit of a pass just because it's their first year playing power five competition but it's not like the big 12 is the SEC so for me I'd give Malzana I would actually give him a c minus it's interesting so uh, yeah the the perception that you say you think it's a little low and I think it's kind of way too high maybe the, the truths somewhere in the middle I, I don't know but
1: I th- I just I think maybe what I associate it with too is what hasn't changed with them is their their product um so I always still look to them as a team you know High octane offense, score a lot of points. You're right, had a losing record this year, first season in the Big Twelve. But maybe that's weighing too heavily in my mind. I don't know. Because I I do I do love the the high scoring teams. I will say that. I like to follow those. Um Steve
0: Sarkeesian. Got him an A, you know, gets them to the playoff. Yeah. I don't think you could do any complaining with him. He hasn't had any big booster meltdowns. He's got the boys. Falling in line, singing the eyes of Texas after the game. They're not going to fire him for not getting them to sing the alma mater. So, he's got the culture under control for now. We'll see how the SEC transition goes. Let's get to the main event. Let's get what the people are here for. Third year finished for Josh Heupel as he made the switch from Central Florida to Tennessee. 27-12.
1: and 12. They give him an A grade. I think that's... Um... I think that's fair. Um, I and if it was before, if it was based on a two-year sample, um, it would have been an A plus from in my book. This season was a little bit of a, little bit of a letdown. Not a massive one, but that's what I would, uh, in my mind, that's why I
0: would keep it at an A. You would give it an A plus for the two-year sample of this year and last year, or the first two years. First two. Okay, think about that first season
1: when I mean I was expecting four wins, maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. that was felt like they totally overperformed and then obviously the second season was pretty magical with the exception of that South Carolina game um I think those seasons and and so what that did was set up expectations for this season um which may have been unreal I don't uh, not realistic I don't know but it was to me this third season was a little bit of a letdown doesn't mean I've given up the ghost on Josh Heupel I just think it's yeah, we we need a reset next year and I'm pretty sure it's gonna happen.
0: Sam, you good with the letter grade of an A for Josh
2: Heupel after three years? Yeah. I think A's fine for him through three years. I mean, I think Bob's right. I think he took a little bit of a downturn this year, but I think that's just kind of due to a, a little bit of a dip in quarterback play. I think you'll be right back to to where you were at in the first two, so I think A is perfectly fine.
0: I'd probably go with an A minus. I'd probably not get half a you know, half a letter grade. Just cause Sarkeesian made the playoffs. He's an A. He was our only A on there, right? Our only straight up A. I know there was a A minus for Yeah, you're right. For Lance Leopold. So like the 2022 season, that was an A season. The the 2021 season to me was probably an A minus season. Maybe a B plus. I really think you should have won that old miss game, but like I'm not gonna, you know, hold that one game against Josh. That that's fine. The 2023 season to me was a C. So to me, like it's hard for me to say you get an A for all three years when you get an A-plus for one year, a B-plus, and a, a C. It kind of doesn't average out to me to be an A.
1: You'd call last year, not this season that passed, but the 21-22 season, no, 22-23 season, a B-plus?
0: No, no, no. Uh, the first year I give a B-plus, 2021. Okay. Year one of Josh Hype, I give a B plus. You, if you say A minus, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the second year of the you know the year you go eleven and two, I, I give that an A. I got you. And a even yeah. an A plus. I mean, you could probably say that. You, you choke against South Carolina. I don't know what, how the hell that happened. What was good on in the locker room, whatever. Like, so if you want to tell me that's not an A plus, it's only a solid A. That's fine. I won't argue there. Eleven and two, Orange Bowl. If I tell you grading on a curve, because I think all these coaches were graded on a curve of like you know what the expectations right. were what their surrounding situations Where If if I tell you Josh Heupel comes into this situation and and goes 11-2 and following Jeremy Pruitt in year two, you all say that's an A+. Right? Now, if you get into the context of, well, you blew a 20-point, you blew a game as a 20-point favorite to South Carolina. And you're like, okay, well, that makes me mad. I'm going to duck some grades there. But, like, overall, you'd say it's an A+. And then, yeah, I thought 2023 was a C. Yeah. You want to say C+, okay, fine. Like, Maybe the Nico ball game does bump it up to C+. Plus. And, like, if you want to go and, like, look at the big picture stuff and the, the recruiting and the, the health of the program, maybe that bumps it up. Maybe you get into the B- minus range if you're looking at the big picture of, of, like, what you have returning and, like, the way you're set up for this year. Because that's a part of your job, right, is to get your set up for the next year. And, like, Tennessee should be a top 20 preseason team. I wouldn't be surprised if that goes up even higher. Like I think seventeen is where Tennessee was at right. in the first like way too early poll or whatever. But I wouldn't be surprised if that goes up after like spring ball, and you know getting the the five star uh, left tackle and Zaylen's heard getting some depth. You know the guy from from Stanford. I think you did a pretty good job in the transfer portal. I wouldn't be surprised if you grab a couple more guys in the transfer portal after the spring. Like I do think there will be some depth position pieces added, right? Like, I, I would be shocked if Tennessee didn't grab at least one more offensive lineman. A guy that can come in and be just a backup. Not a starter, but a guy that can come in and be a backup. You'll, you'll find a fifth or sixth year senior that, that's transferring that can play guard and center and be a backup, if I was guessing. And like Tennessee's set up to be a playoff contender. And that matters. That gets judged for my for for, for first three years. What you're expecting in year four matters. So, I'd probably go A minus. I got no issue with the A. All
1: right, let's bring it home. These are these are from group of five, and we'll be quick on these. But uh, the two guys that have just joined Kalen DeBoer's staff, um, Maurice Mo Linguist from who was head coach at Buffalo for three seasons, fourteen and twenty three record. He's joining the defensive staff at, at uh, Alabama. He graded out as a D.
0: Yeah, doesn't sound great. Now, I will say being a head coach versus running a talented defense, maybe two different things, but it doesn't scare me no. you know, from the Tennessee perspective.
1: And then Kane Womack uh, from South Alabama, who graded as an F, and it's namely because <laughs> they were saying that he got South Alabama to a place 22-16 and 16 over three seasons. Yeah. Um, is that it's kind of a state of the state in college football right now where you leave a program where you know it's smaller program you're starting to improve but maybe he just felt it's too hard he can go be defensive coordinator with his buddy at alabama and make more money and likely have more success
0: well yeah to me that that's the key like not that it's too hard it's like it's a better opportunity like that seems weird
2: they gave yeah. him an F for establishing a program and then leaving.
0: Yep. See, that, to me, that's that the exercise loses whenever you're saying that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> now, Jen speak- Fish to get a higher grade because he built Arizona up to right. run, can't get the <laughs> Washington job. Like now, this guy leaving uh, to go to be a coordinator that doesn't necessarily scream like huge improvements. but like twenty-two and sixteen sounds good for South Alabama. I mean, well, it, yeah, sounds good.
1: So, speaking of disparity, to close this out. Let's talk about Butch Jones for a second at Arkansas State. 3, three, re- three season record of eleven and twenty six. Don't tell me the grade yet. I want to guess.
0: Go. I think he's a solid B. Minus. Wow. Wow. No. What they give him? C minus. The bad. way they finished the year last year, maybe is weighing too highly because like they were embarrassing the first two years, but they went bowling in year they three. Did. And I think that's like a realistic expectation for them. Well, I mean, they were in bad shape.
1: Get ready to tune in in September because they uh, travel to Michigan, and Iowa State. Um, I mean, those, uh, particularly Michigan. Obviously, that's going to be. Uh, you might see some uh, some red face behavior from from Butch in that well, game. Well,
0: the good news for him is it'll never be as bad as it was against Oklahoma last year. So, like that, that was rock that's... bottom, and you know. From that moment, it looked like he was going to get fired, and they rallied and made a bowl game. So I, I gave Butch uh, maybe a B-minus was, again, grading on the curb of also being at Arkansas State but also being Butch Jones. And, and like, you you looked like you were dead, and now you're okay. Now you're okay. Whew. Iowa State, maybe you can get them. Maybe you can keep that one close. They're not any good. We'll, we'll see.
1: They yeah. got Matt Campbell, who's apparently still considered one of the greatest coaches in the country. Well, there we go.
0: Hour one in the books. We'll kick off hour two with some stories you might have missed from yesterday. Stick with us. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.